Welcome to the Develop in the Dark podcast, brought to you by New Spring Church. We'll prepare you with biblical truths to help you meet the demands of your reality. In today's episode, Brad and I try to answer this question, am I a sinner or am I a saint? I've heard some people emphasize sinner and some saint, which is correct. Today we're going to talk through the doctrine of sin, what it means to have a brand new identity in Christ. I think this is going to be super helpful as you talk with your friends and your family about who you are and what God has meant for you. I hope it encourages you in a deep way. We're praying for you as you develop in the dark. We're back, friends, and Develop in the Dark is so exciting to, to get to have these conversations with you, Coop. Yeah, man, I'm so pumped to be with you, Trev. We're picking up today where we left off. We finished last episode. Imago around, Day. Around the Imago Day. We talked about being created like God. We're created good. We're created with purpose. And we ended there talking a little bit about the brokenness of sin. And we're going to kind of pick up there today. Many folks have the question, am I a saint or a sinner? Now, when you come to church, you'll hear people like Mayor Knox call people saint. Yeah. You'll also see it all through the New Testament. Right. Paul, <laughs> you, you know, the, the Bible uses that, and Paul uses it all the time. Yeah. You'll also hear from time to time a preacher person say, hey, sinners, or it'll be followed up with something like that. So am I a sinner or a saint? And that's kind of where we're, we're going to kick off today and talk about that. People balk at the word saint a lot of times because of the way that it's used maybe in the Roman Catholic Church, and you have the idea of veneration, being blessed, and then canonized as a saint, but Paul is using this of an ordinary, everyday Yeah, it just means Christian. set apart, mm. that you know, you've been set apart in God, and that saint is actually the identifier in the New Testament uh, more than 60 times, and it's the most... Um, voluminous, you like that word, voluminous mm-hmm. identifier of a Christian, a follower of Jesus in the New Testament. Whereas maybe Christianity or Christian is used just a couple of times. Yeah, this just is, once, actually. I yeah. think it's used, and it was used of the church in Antioch, mm. that there were little Christ there. And so saint is a really beautiful identifier to those that have been set apart in Christ. And uh, and then here's the question, though. Can I be both simultaneously a sinner and a saint, Trent? Well, that is the question for today. And as you <laughs> as you think about saint and you bring over sinner the phrase i'm just a sinner saved by grace so what is it and uh, we're going to wrestle with that today at the center of this is the idea of identity how mm-hmm. i identify myself yeah so let's just pick up right there one of the most powerful tools as we develop in the dark as we grow in wisdom stature and favor is understanding your identity. Mm. And I mean, everybody's... What do you mean by identity? Yeah, right, exactly. The deepest identity that you have, who you are at your core. How are you known? Your essence, Mm. man. And so, you know, you just think about this. My government name, my identity, is Bradford Lee Cooper. Mm. But Trev, one of the revelatory ideas when I started following Jesus that dawned on me was that I have an identity that's even deeper than that, Mm. that I am known at a deeper level than that. And this is a powerful tool to walk out Christian life when we understand who we are and then not just us, but we begin to understand the identity of those around us. And this is going to be some, uh, way forward for us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. It's a really powerful idea, this idea of identity. It is. I think the way forward here, as we understand saint and sinner, is to spend a little time talking about the doctrine of sin, the teaching around sin 
in the in the Bible. It's an important doctrine, um, not just you know for us as individuals, but collectively as the church. When you are contemplating as a believer in Christ sin, and you're thinking of yourself as a sinner, you have a lot of evidence. Yeah, don't you? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, and so it is very easy to take on the identity of sinner because you're we're dealing with sin. Yeah, so let's just chat a bit about the definition of sin. The, the Bible uses the word sin all the time. Now, mm. what's behind that? Yeah, the the popular cultural moment we're in, it seems to be trying to diminish or remove or minimize or blame shift this concept of sin. Mm. And one of the things in the earth that you can see is that we have tried to explain away sin. And what's behind that is, and this, listen to me, if there is no sin, there is no need for a gospel. Mm. If there is no sin, there's no need for a cross. If there is no sin, there is no good news. If we're doing away with the diagnosis, then we're doing away with the solution. That's exactly right. The good news is no longer good, and it doesn't land and and doesn't have that. Well, a doctor has got to come in and properly identify the problem that's in your body before they can cut it out. So the first thing I just really would love our listeners to consider, J.I. Packer, we just celebrated his, he just passed away three years ago, mm-hmm. all right? One of the things that he told young leaders is he said, pay attention to the idea of the tolerance of sin, because if you can explain sin away, and now it's it's a disease or it's a symptom or it's the government's fault, your parents' fault, and it's no longer something that is personally you're responsible for, then you actually no longer need good news. You no longer need the cross. Mm. And so we need to make sure we reckon with the fact that we need to see sin as for what it is, that it is real, it is present, the Bible talks about it, it's in my life, and the Bible says, for all have sinned. Mm. That's an all swim. It is. It's a big deal. Not only have we all committed sins, we are all by nature sinful. Yeah, I think the New Testament does a fantastic job of helping us. And I I remember a preacher saying this years ago, and it blew my mind. I'm going to say this phrase. Sin is not just something we do. The Bible teaches that sin is something we are. Mm. That sin is our identity from birth, Trevor, Mm. in the broken, fallen world that we were born in, sin is not just an action we commit, right or wrong. Sin is something we are. It's an identifier of who we are. Maybe the New Testament would bear this out. It's the primary identifier. That's of who right. We are. And so this is where until the, Christ. That's exactly right. So the doctrine here is the doctrine of original sin. Uh, you know, depravity. Depravity. These are radical depravity. That this explains what's wrong in the earth. If you want to know what's wrong in the earth, it's because we are all sinful. I remember it was a Chesterton quote during World War II. They were asking questions in an op-ed piece over in a paper oh. in yeah in the UK about what was wrong because, I mean, they're finding out bombs and world war and, and what's wrong, what's wrong? What's wrong with wrong? the world? What's wrong with the world? Do you remember what he said, Trevor? I am. That was his op-ed piece. He yeah. wrote in and he said... Two word. Yeah. Dear sir or madam, you asked in your last column, what is wrong with the world? I am. <laughs> Sincerely yours, G.K. G. Chesterton. Chesterton. And he understood this identity of sin, that we're all sinners. Just pushing into that a little bit, sometimes people have a problem with... Uh, you're telling me I'm a sinner because someone way long ago was a sinner? Yeah, unpack that for a minute, right? Mm, that is a challenge. Romans 5 talks about this challenge, that by one person all of humanity was plunged in into sin. And 
as the first son of God, if you will, Adam, Adam, what original sin is saying is that Adam is doing exactly what every one of us would do if we were put in his spot. That's exactly right. I remember thinking the same thing. What do you mean I'm going to get the conviction uh, because of what Adam did thousands of years ago? Mm. The, the truth of the matter is? Believer, if you throw away Adam and original sin, then you don't get Jesus by one man comes with one act and salvation come to us all. And you're quoting Romans 5 there. Right. Yeah. So you have to, with Jesus, take Adam yeah, the first well. Adam, and we mm. now have a new Adam. And so I want to just point out one more time, though, that sin is across the board. All have sin. It is ubiquitous. Mm. And there is because, Everywhere. Because one of the things that occurs in the earth is there is sometimes social movements, political constructs. Again, we mentioned this in the last episode, social constructs that at points in time will say, this group of people are the sinners. Mm. This group of people are the righteous. This group of people are the better, and this group of people are the lesser. Mm. Anytime you see that happening in the earth, you need to have sirens going off in your Mm. mind and red lights flashing because the truth of the scripture is for all have sinned. And if we don't see this as an all swim, we'll see massive mistakes down the line. Boy. Sin is ubiquitous. The fact that in the garden, the sin of the garden was eating a piece of fruit. I'm blown away by that. Why? Just because it seems so small? It's well, it's the it's that no one can get under that. The 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 sin itself, the nature of the sin seems small to us. Trivial. But as you talked about last time. It's not the nature of the sin that's the problem. It's the it's, act of the fruit. Right. It's the, who you're sinning against. Ah. So the, it's the sin underneath the sin. It's the pride and the arrogance that we know better than God. And so we're going to do this in disobedience. So eating that piece of fruit is cosmic rebellion against a holy God. Whoa. Those are big words for eating a, you know, a minute made fruit cup, man. You, well, I'm using the word cosmic just to make it as big as you possibly can. But I can. think that's important because I thought, well, and I don't know why everybody in their minds I thinks it was an apple. We have no biblical reference no, no that that reference. was the fruit. Now, the, another mistake people make, in my opinion, is they would say all sins are equal. All sins put us in the category of sinner. All sin is cosmic rebellion. I do think, you know, um, I'm thinking of John 19, 11, where Jesus says he is guilty of the greater sin. Yeah. So there's some sort so of Jesus way. So Jesus can distinguish between a greater sin and another. There's some sins that have bigger consequence. Sure. There's some sins that maybe are punished more. I don't know exactly how that works, but all sin puts us in the category of sinner. Yeah, and distrusting all, God, cosmic rebellion. Nobody can get under that bar. And every one of us have done it. So mm. just to give back to the original question, am I a sinner or am I a saint? All of us, every one of us are a sinner from birth. It's not just something we do, it's something we are. Yikes. Yikes. And so what's next? The gospel's next. Okay. In the gospel, we have Jesus, born of a virgin. He comes, he is God, he comes as man to rescue us from the dominion of darkness, to bring us into the kingdom of the Son. That's Ephesians 2. That's Colossians 1. Well, you got some there, too. Ephesians in there, too. There's a little bit of both. But in response to sin, you have the Son of God. What an amazing truth. The gospel, 
that he is going to come and do everything that Adam could not do. He's going to follow the rules that Adam could not follow, and he's going to follow rules we can't even follow ourselves. So when we take the gospel into ourselves, we're not just following rules. We're taking Jesus into our life, and through taking Jesus into our life, we're able to now live the life that we were meant to live. I don't know if anybody else had the beautiful parallel because we just talked about taking of the first fruit, bringing in the original sin, and you just used the phrase, we take Jesus into our life. Mm. It's the idea of eating, communing. Tree of life. The tree of life. We have this beautiful picture of the communion or Eucharist, and we take Christ in, his his body and his blood, and now we are saying, I'm not trusting my own ability. I'm not trusting my own own appetite, I'm trusting Jesus Christ, the tree of life, and I'm taking him in. And so what did that overcome for us? Well, one, it gives us a brand new identity. Mm. Jesus would say we are born again. This is mm. the language of the New Testament that everyone must be born again. We're a new creation yes. in Christ Jesus, to quote Paul. Yeah. And so we're born again into a new kingdom. And what does that overcome? Well, it overcomes sin had earned us. Our identity from sin was separation from God. Mm. Right, Sin had earned us a broken fellowship with people and humanity. Sin had earned us both physical and spiritual death eternally. The wages of sin is death. And so, but the free gift of God eternal is life. eternal life in Christ mm. Jesus. Mm. And so um, to answer the question, what is a saint, Trevor? Mm. How so, do you get after that? Well, think about Jesus and what he's doing in a moment. There's a Bible word here I want to share. Um, You run into this in Paul's writing. It's called justification. Yeah. Now, you know that that's a heady word. It's a legal word. It's a a a judicial word. word. It's a word that is essentially God is dropping the gavel and declaring in an instant who you are, that you are righteous. And what's happening in that moment is all of the things in my ledger. Right, the the sin, the shame, the brokenness, the identity, all, the the death, all of it, is getting put onto Christ, and Christ in that moment, all of His righteousness, holiness, goodness is now being put into my my ledger, and so there's a and what what theologians have called imputation. It's like it instantly happens. Boom! When you come to know the Lord, you hear the gavel of you hear the gavel drop. Now. What's very difficult about that is as you're reading through the Bible and you see language like, I'm a new creation, old things have gone. The new has come. The new has come. It didn't always feel like that. Right. Or what about be perfect. Ro- or as I'm, What about Romans 7 where, where Paul is torn up because he, he doesn't want to sin, but he but does he's still, sin. Right. He's still trying to figure that out. So when I'm, when I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I have got good evidence. Yep. That is still lingering I around still lie, with me. I still get angry. I still mm. lose my temper. The best illustration of this and the, the exchange that's taking place to me is adoption. We have several of our friends who have adopted. And uh, I remember having a conversation with one of my friends uh, at church on a, on a particular Sunday. And he was having a little trouble with one of his sons. And he said, you know, there's just a difference between the biological behavior of sons and the adopted behavior of sons. He just doesn't quite get it yet. And it dawned on me in that moment that this adopted son had stood before a judge and in an instant, boom, been declared to be in this family, got a new name, got a new identity, got got a new inheritance. All of it. Got all of it in an instant, but then 
has to become over time in a process more and more like their family member. Beautiful. So in an instant declared to be righteous, in an instant to be declared a saint, in an instant to become a Christian, but over time, I'm struggling with this besetting sin. I've got to get some help. I've got to confess. I've got to get some people around me to help me. I've got to I've got to work this out with fear and trembling. I've got to get my eyes fixed on Jesus over this thing that's really dominating me. And that's the process of what's called sanctification, another Bible word that from the moment of salvation and moving forward all the way through, you're progressively becoming more and more like Jesus as sin is moved out of the way and your identity is conformed to who you've been declared to be. So I've heard it said before that you are forever becoming who in an instant you were declared to be. That's awesome. You are forever becoming in an instant who you were declared to be. That's right. Namely, Jesus. Right. As you progress through there, you know, the last moment of your sanctification in life is death Mm -hmm. because you're following Christ in death. Then you're following Christ in resurrection at some point where you get a new body and you're glorified. But that whole process is called sanctification in the New Testament. So we are both justified instantly. It started and finished at salvation, and then sanctification begins and it continues through our life. A couple of thoughts that you just bring up, beautiful. The the Christian life is spent most of the time in sanctification. Mm. So you're living in that reality. And um, the other piece here is just, okay, that is awesome. That is heady. That is true. I see that in Scripture. Now what do I do? And I just want to just say, one of the very best things you can do is preach your new identity to yourself. Beautiful. One of the very best things you can do is see yourself the way God sees you. Are you saying then that the best way to overcome sin in your life is not to focus on the sin in your life. That's exactly what I'm saying. Or to identify yourself that way. And Mm. that's not arrogance. It should create a humility in us, but we've got to preach the gospel to ourselves. And you in Christ are called a child of God. Mm. And one of the best things I can do in my life, even in my struggles to overcome sin in my life, is to know I'm a child of God. And but. I'm going to operate as the beloved of God. This is why John, mm. right, the, the, the disciple Jesus loved, in his letters, he refers to the church as the beloved of God. Mm. He calls us little children over and over again. And not only this, Trev, this is so important, not only do I see myself primary identity as a child of God, but I'm going to operate with those around me, and I'm going to project that same primary identity on my neighbor. And those in Christ, when I am at... Believing the best. Yes. This is what being gracious looks like. This is what Paul writes about in Ephesians. I'm not going to consider identifying that person like this. I think it's in Ephesians 3, Mm. right there, or the back end of 2. I'm going to talk to them like they are a saint. Mm. I'm not going to refer to them as the sinner. I'm not going to call them by their old name, their old attributes. I'm going to call them by who they are in Christ. Corinthians same thing. That's what some of you used to be were. Yeah, all over and over again. And so I think this is really practical here because I think there is a mistake we're making right now. And sometimes we identify ourselves by other things first before we call right, ourselves a give saint. Give me an example. Well, I mean, I just think practically it's not helpful to identify yourself by your past sin. Okay. So I don't think it's helpful to refer to yourself as I'm an addict. Mm. I'm an addict Christian. Yeah, I think, no, no, you're a saint who's been forgiven, and you might be struggling still to overcome, 
that aspect of addiction in your past. That's mm-hmm. a part of your testimony. But the more and more we focus on noun, my identifier person mm-hmm. is I'm an addict. I believe the slower and more arduous the journey of sanctification is. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's what the New Testament teaches. Mm-hmm. In the same way, I think there's others. Okay. I think that we can do this in our sexuality. Okay. And we can call ourselves something else before we call ourselves a Christian or a saint or a child of God. And I just want to warn against that. You are before you're anything else. You are not your sexual persuasion. You're you're not even, I think, your ethnicity before Mm. you are a child of God. Right. There's a sense in which if you were to do that, you're saying, Lord, you can have every aspect of my life except for that thing that's my primary identifier. Yeah. That's what it, That's exactly right. Right. And I think sometimes people don't realize they're doing that, but if you constantly refer to yourself as that former sin, mm. then you are, in some ways, you're rejecting the efficacious work of the cross. Mm. But the blood of the cross, the power of the resurrection, and the power of the ascension have bought you and I a new name. Mm. a new identity, and it is more powerful than the mistake we made or even are making. It has mm. forgiven us. Justification forgave all the sins in our past and our present and our future. What would you say to the person, they, they've, they've made a huge blow up in their life. Yeah. I'm talking about the consequences of this sin, devastating. And here they are maybe 20 years later looking in the rearview mirror, and they're looking at that going, I've got all this regret. I've got all this. I want to warn people not to do that, but I'm viewing myself as sinner. How would you encourage that person in terms of how they can leverage their testimony but hold on to their primary identity? Yeah, I think that that struggle is exactly what Paul's talking about when he talks about a thorn in his side. Mm. That God's grace is sufficient in the weakness of your old self, your Mm. old nature. Take off the old put on the new, refer to yourself like God does. He calls us child. He calls us beloved. He calls us Jesus as you are friend. And I think when we do that, especially when we're doing it with humility and people can tell when you don't see yourself the way God does, in some way you're robbing God's cross of the glory that it earned. That's that's deep, but I mean, that's mm. real. When you don't see yourself the way God does, you're robbing Christ of glory. And listen, this is why forgiveness to others is such a big deal. This is how I can forgive someone who hurts me because I'm not going to rob Christ of the glory that he earned, that his blood bought. That's a powerful thing. Mm. That's why Christian forgiveness and identifying and saying, I forgive you, I love you. And it's the same way God's forgiven and loves me, man. So beautiful. You have some thoughts there, bro? Well, I feel like we could talk about this all day. (laughs) You've mentioned it a couple of times, but there's a passage of scripture in 1 John chapter 3. I've got it opened up. I want to read it. Uh, for us. And in closing today, we'll close a little bit differently. I'm going to read this passage of scripture. And then Brad, just ask you to pray for people who are struggling, struggling with this idea of sinner saint. Friend, you're a saint. Mm. You may be struggling. You may need to get your community, your Bible, people around you and fix your eyes on Jesus. But your identity as a believer, you're a saint. And pray for those folks who are in that scenario yeah, right I'd now. Yeah, let do that. Yeah, let me just read this to us. This is 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. It says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, 
and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. Now. And what will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. That's amazing. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your encouragement to remind us of our identity. Lord, I pray for every single man and woman, young and old, that is hearing this and listening to this, that you, Spirit, would walk with them in the days ahead to help them see who they are now. And Lord, if they only know themselves as a sinner, would you, by grace, give them the victory in Christ Jesus to take Jesus in and find out who they can be in him, that they are the beloved, the child of God. And Lord, that we wouldn't only walk around knowing who we are, but Lord, show us how we might encourage the church, brothers and sisters around the world, to call them into their identity, Mm. into the reality of who they are in Christ. We love you. We're blown away by your gospel. And we ask all of this in the name of the Father, who loves us in the name of our big brother, King Jesus, who died for us and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is with us now. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on Developing the Dark and we're going to see you next time. Thanks for listening to Develop in the Dark. We hope that today's episode will help the light in you shine brighter than the light on you.